Oh, welcome back, everybody, to Fati to me. Actually, I'm going to pause you right there as we as a group decided to change the name of the group as we're getting more members, move, uh, more members, and little by little, we decided the team that we want to get a team unanimous name. Going off that, I'm a I'm moving over to Victor to introduce our name. Sure, I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, just, well, I'm sorry, but go I ahead. just learned of this like two seconds ago. But in that case, I'll take it back. PJ, you want to introduce Please. it? I'm kidding. Anyways, go ahead. We just uh, we decided to change the name to Real Talks. Real yeah. Talks. Um, so you already know what it is. Real Talks, son. You know what I'm saying? So now what are we going to do? Are we introducing everybody? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. Everybody. Yeah, we should do that. Okay. So you know who it is. It's me, Victor. You already know what it is. Uh, Hey, Sabrine. Oh, okay. That was, that was real funny. natural. That was like, yeah. yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Amal. That's Lo. Uh, this is Fati. And of course, it's PJ. I said, of course, like I'm always here. Yeah. So. <laughs> you PJ are, though. As well. yeah. Your, your episodes are And Amal is our newest member. Do you want to say anything to our fans at all, Amal? Thank you guys for having me. You know what it is. It's your girl, Amal, ML, MLA, blessing hey. the mic. <laughs> bow, bow. <laughs> and my fans, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate you. Oh. <laughs> so we're going to put away the tape measures now. You uh, <laughs> got one fan. So our first topic today is going to be uh, domestic violence and relationships, things like that. So we're going to kind of give our takes on what that you know, what that means to us, what we what we classify as domestic violence, what doesn't. Uh, we had a question that was posed, uh, if it's two men fighting in a relationship, is that just two dudes fighting or is that domestic violence? I mean, let's get it rolling. Oh, everybody's looking at me to start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was your question. Oh, okay. To be fair. Well, I, I give the answer. I just see it as two niggas fighting. I don't, I don't understand, like, I mean, I understand they in a relationship, but I mean, at that point in time, I just counted as two niggas fighting. If I walk down the street, and I see two dudes fighting. I'm not gonna be like, oh, it's, he's beating on him. Like, no, it's yeah. not gonna be like two dudes fighting. That's like, if it I mean, was if it was a man and a woman, I'm like, man, you know, he beating on her. We need to intervene. But if it's two dudes fighting, as long as there ain't nobody about to kill nobody, like, it's two niggas fighting. What if it was two women fighting? Chick fight. Two I mean, two girls fighting. To me, honestly, like the way I look at it is simple. If it's two people fighting, it's just two people fighting. Yeah. I don't give a damn if y'all in a relationship or not. If y'all in a relationship, that means it's even more not my business because that's what y'all do. If that's y'all definition of crazy. I have dealt with that shit where my neighbors downstairs fought and he beat the shit out of his damn girl. And the whole situation turned into, oh, it's, it's, it's PJ's fault because he talked to the cops. No, nigga, it's your fault because you beat up your girlfriend. So getting into situations like that, I feel like, domestic violence or anything it's just it's a fight if that's that person or that, those two people if that's their version of crazy if that's what they like i ain't fucking with it so here's my question with victor before we go deeper what's your definition of domestic violence uh violence so uh, uh uh in a relationship a man to be honest in or out of a relationship a man uh putting his hand on a, on a woman to be honest with you um has anybody had any experience with that like, what do you mean? Like, done it? No, not done it. Or somebody around, around them been in that situation. Domestic. Like yeah. I just, yeah. I just said that, though. Oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> besides you. you know what I'm <laughs> but, yeah. But what I, I will say is, uh, PJ brought out a good point as well, is that sometimes it's a gray line because we forget that, you know, sometimes you will see that and your instinct is to intervene with that. Mm -hmm. But then you being a... It, it can really fuck up somebody who's a good person, like fuck up their stuff because like you mess up that, then you don't know where that woman's mindset at is. If she goes back to that man, then the other guy that helped, 
they just going to be against him. And I've seen that happen before. We're like, where I'm from is very small. He's seen a man beating on his girl. He intervened. Uh, the dude went to jail. When the dude got out, the woman went back to him. Now, the woman is, they ride or die against the dude that, because the dude got a vendetta against the dude who broke it up. So they ride or die against him. Like, he just helped you. And you just, you really going to do that to him? Yeah. I just feel like it's, it's, it's a gray area that, that happens in there. Um, I will say that um, I understand the, well, I don't understand, but I, I kind of get the psychology of why some people stay in those relationships. They're scared to leave. They don't have nowhere else to go, um, things like that. Because I've seen men, usually what they do in those situations is they alienate your family, your friends, so all you have is them. Yeah. Again, here's where this, this where I said last podcast where my less empathy part comes out. If we've seen this movie before, when do we start saying, okay, no, nah, not we not gonna do that? Like what, what do you mean? mean? What do you mean? Like we we this has been like this is yeah, something that we've seen thing. before. It's like this happening. is what I say. It's like niggas that smoke crack who's addicted to crack. Who like we've seen what happens. So what I'm saying is, if you still doing it, and at that point you just don't care, and why should anybody else care? So I think one of the things that you brought up that's important to remember is the psychology behind it. So when someone is in, a, in an abusive relationship or is being abused, and my definition of abuse isn't just physical. Um, it could be emotional, you know, verbal. It doesn't have to be just one specific thing. Typically with people who are in domestic abuse situations deal with a combination of the two or the three. And so when they're thinking about leaving, it's not the fear of like, oh, I have nowhere to go. It's like breaking down that person's self-esteem, breaking down that person's concept of reality. There's a lot of different things that kind of create the world that someone who has been abused lives in. And that's why they'll keep going back knowing that, hey, this person is putting their hands on me. Like, and the thing is, when somebody puts their hands on you, it doesn't matter if it's somebody you're in a relationship with, somebody that, you know, you just met, you know, two minutes ago, it's always gonna be a shock unless you knew it was coming. And typically it's a shock the first time that it happens. And then the second time that it happens, you know, most people they make excuses for it and they're like, oh man, like maybe there's something that, you know, I need I to do know. that's different because that wasn't something that they had foreseen. And so all of that adds to why people end up sticking around. And on top of that, they're isolated from other people and so they don't get that input. So it's easy, like even in cheating relationships or any type of relationship on the outside looking in to be like, man, just get out, like what are you doing? But when you're in that type of situation, it's completely different. And I know from experience, I've seen domestic violence happen. I've had people put their hands on me that I was close to. And luckily for me, like, I've taken care of myself enough emotionally to kind of get a grasp of what I will and won't accept. Um, but a lot of people are still like discovering themselves. So it's difficult to say you should do this until you're in that position. And it's also, I think, a lot with uh, not not the victim, but the the aggressor in that situation. There's a certain mental state of that person. I mean, fucked up for one. Yes, that's you know a given. But 
some people are patient. Some dudes will wait it out and treat this woman like gold. Yeah. And in cases, some cases, the woman will wait it out and treat that man like gold. And the second that ring hits that finger, when it's not just as easy to walk out without going through all this extra messy crap, and that other person feels like, well, we're married now, we got to try to make the marriage work, and that's where that that game starts to get played. It's like, well, you, I know you want to make this marriage work, so I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to do something one time, and then I'll I'll shower you with gifts and say how sorry I am, and then we'll go a little bit longer and a few months in, and then, oh, it happens again, or I got upset, or I got mm-hmm. drunk, and this happened. And then the other person will be thinking of it like, well, this, is, this isn't who they really are, because the entire two years we were dating, this never happened. He might be stressed about money, or she might be stressed about this or that. And then it turns into you thinking it was stress, but this is really who that person was. They just waited for that right moment. So in some cases, you may catch one of those incidents or one of those arguments and think like, man, that's, that's fucked up. You should get out of there. And they're like, well, no. I mean, we've been together eight years, and this has happened twice. Like, it's not that bad. But it's just that's who they are, and that's how they keep people or you know trick people into staying in those situations. Yeah, and another thing, too... Right, so I just uh, right, so I just want to add a couple of points to that. Going off Lois' point, the first thing aside from being abusive, they do have that. They do have that point where they're nice as well to tell her, "I love you. I, I made mistakes," but also the element of fear because in certain states or certain cities, even if the woman do report him to the police, the guy can get out like four hours, five hours later. So when he gets out, he's more furious than before. So mm-hmm. she has to live that factor where if I report him, what if he gets out? Then I'm in a bigger trouble too. Yeah, and to add to that too. A lot of people, I think, have this idea of who, you know, is the aggressor in the situation, or they're like, oh, man, I saw that coming. But there's so many instances where there's, you know, domestic abuse that's happening in a household, and no one will ever know, because the people that are the aggressors are people who are charismatic, are people who may have influence are people who, you know, are really well-known in the community. And so people, even if you were to tell somebody, you know, people aren't necessarily going to believe you, people that, you know, are close to you. So I think that's also another thing, too, mm-hmm. is you never know, you know, the, the, the fallback or who an aggressor is. Look at the most infamous serial killers in history. None of these dudes were just nutcase. I mean, yeah, they're crazy because they were murdering people, but none of these dudes were like, when you see them, you walk across the street. They were people who would go to a party and talk somebody into coming back to their place and then kill them there, or talk somebody into coming back to their place and then talk them into killing for them. Like, these were people who could, who had this public appearance that were well-liked, well-respected people that under all that facade, that's what they used. Like, that was their tool, using that charisma and using that, that gift of gab to get people to trust them and then use those words to manipulate. And then that turns into something completely different. And it's just the one thing I just I'm concerned about is collateral damage, um, because there's a lot of collateral damage that can come from these instances. And I can say with family members helping uh, with uh, friends helping, um, like I said before, like you will see, like until a woman, again, you say reevaluates and says, hey, this is not what I want to deal with anymore. A lot of damage can occur to other people who are not even in that situation who just want to help. Can ha- that happens? And then the fact of it is, it's just like I just that's why I say that's why my empathy leaves because all that collateral damage is just coming from people that care about you and then they just want to help. And then you can just whoever you with, you can turn your back on them and say, okay, just do this to them. Like I've seen people get robbed, all that for just for trying to help. So it's just like yo, yeah. like it's not. 
I don't know. It just, but technically, you can't really help the person, though. At the end of the day, it has to be their choice, though. Well, you it depends. Like, you, you can, can you can help. There, it depends. On, it does depend on the person. That's You're correct true. on that. Um, but n- sometimes there's a point where even if they make up their mind, they still need somebody there to be able to pull them up out of there. That's um, true. Because like, they can swim halfway, but the other half part, they might need somebody to, like, throw them a life preserver and say, hey, come, you know, bring it on. So... It depends on the timing and everything, like and if that if that uh, person who is a victim um, is is reevaluated and then decided to you know um, you know make that make that journey. So going on Victor's point, I'm gonna start from Serena and go around. Mm. What if in that scenario yeah, you had a friend, you know, somebody that's been through that situation? Or you've I'm been sorry, tried. can you speak up? So let's say so let's say you've been in that situation <laughs> where you had the person been abused and you've been advising them, helping them out. And you try it over and over again, but they still didn't stay in that situation. Would you still keep going or would you give up halfway? I would still I would still try because let's be honest, we live in a society that's always favoring men over women. Um, our abuse, our suffering, I mean, you you hear like those stories that come out, but there are millions and millions of stories that are not told. Um, especially, especially if it's a story of a black woman in this country. I mean, our stories are not told. Our, we deal with rape. We deal with domestic abuse. We deal from, I mean, there are stories where, you know, fathers, uncles, brothers are abusing, you know, young black girls. And those stories are not told. And a lot of the abusers use, like, I love you and I care for you. And I'm, you know, I'm here to give you whatever, you know, come back, come back, come back. And also they install fear. So as, as a woman, I will try my best to help whoever in that situation and definitely use resources. They got to be willing, though, without you being capable of mentally understanding what your situation is and mentally wanting to get out. There's nothing we can do physically. It all like starts from here. It starts from your brain. It has to dribble down, you know, but I would still try. What about you, Amal? I would agree with Sabrine. I feel like I can't really abandon people that I'm close with and people that I know. And also, I feel like the Stockholm Syndrome is real, where like the victim is going to feel like this abuse is normal, so they need an outsider's perspective. Like They need someone like me who's close to them to tell them, like, it's not normal that you're yeah, getting beat up every happy. single night. Exactly. And it's going to be frustrating, obviously, on my end because I see the pain that the person is going through and they can't see it. But at the end of the day, my personality, I can't sleep knowing that someone that I'm close to is getting hurt. And I'd rather put up with that and every day tell them until, like, you know, you know, worst case scenario, like if something really bad happens, then I know that I tried whatever I could in my capacity I really just don't see myself abandoning a victim like that. What, uh, what she just said, though, when you said uh, outside perspective, mm-hmm. um, I just thought of something. Like, isn't that how the culture of a lot of relationships now is basically like, fuck what your friends say? Not What really. culture? Like, a relationship. <laughs> like, basically, like, no. isn't like, yo, like, oh, don't worry about what your friend's saying. Oh, I don't need, like, from what I see, is what I see is like, yo, like, people be like, yo, um, your friends say this, your friends say that. We only it's just me and you against the world type deal. Uh uh-uh. uh. 
I would say that's more for music. So like, for example, I was just listening to a song this morning and this guy, um, his name is Division. He's a Canadian artist. And he was talking about uh, your, girls are, your girls are uh, single. They're trying to talk up, like they're trying to get you to leave me. But I feel like in real life, personally, I value what my girls would tell me mm. because if I was in a situation where like I'm not seeing the fault of my partner to the point where he's hitting me and I'm thinking it's normal, I would love for someone close to me to be like, listen, I'm a you're getting abused and this isn't normal so you need that outsider's perspective i just feel like in hip-hop and in music culture we act like it's me and you against the world but that's not real life i see it in uh, social media a lot too so exactly relationship goals yeah <laughs> 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 um, i feel like you can never this i don't know how females do it but I cannot ignore my friends. I cannot ignore my friends for a guy that I just talked to. Like, That's facts. Like, yeah. No, my friends come first. Like I've, I've seen it. So, yeah. yeah <laughs> She's like, I don't buy it. No, I'm not saying I don't buy it, but I I understand that some women, some people are, are weak-willed, right? So, I mean, <laughs> some people will cut off their family and everything for that. And then once things go wrong, then they back to them. But I've seen that happen. Yeah. What's um, Sorry to interrupt. But what I think is really important in the domestic violence discussion is the discussion surrounding childhood trauma and how, you know, children that are living in domestic uh, abuse, how, how fucked up their life is at the end. I mean, you have, like, grown as adults walking around us today, but they did have a lot of childhood trauma. Um and how can we deal with that as a society? That's that collateral damage I was talking yeah. about. I think a part of what happens is people who don't experience it, even people who do experience it as children, they grow up and they think, I didn't get affected by it. You know, everything's fine, everything's normal. And then you get the people on the outside that are like, that shit happened years ago, just get over it, you grown now. Those are the same people that say that stupid shit, oh, the past makes you who you are. So if my past makes me who I am, and I got abused physically, sexually, mentally, whatever, as a child in my past, that's affected me growing up. That's affected everything I've done moving forward. It affects who I hang with, who I date, what I do, how I think, how I feel, how I act, all that stuff. So for somebody to say, oh, just get over it, or it was so long ago, that doesn't really know what that is. And even like I said, people that have been through it, they don't know the impact that it's had on them because they just think, I've always been this way. This is just who I am. But it's a result of some of these things that have happened. And no one goes out and gets counseling for that shit, really. Like, it's such a commonplace, especially in, like, black neighborhoods. That shit is such a commonplace thing that you just grow up thinking, like, I can tell you right now, anybody comes to me, anybody outside of, like, my area and tells me, oh, yeah, I got whooped when I was a kid. I got, I got hit with a belt. When I hear white people say, yeah, I, got, I used to get beat when I was little. And I go, well, what do you mean? And they say, I got spanked with a belt once. I'm like, the fuck was that? <laughs> you, get, you said spanked. Like, see, we got our asses beat. Like, I had wet towels and fucking belts and a two-by-four with tape on the handle. Like, all kind of shit. Like, I was... That's an ass whooping. No, that's abuse. But because it was so normal to us, that's just what we grew up with. That's what we think is, is the thing. And then as you get older, what, what made things stick to me and realize, like, okay, this isn't what I want because I have my daughter. And she did something one day, and I spanked her. And it brought back all that shit from when I was a kid. The shit that, I, like, the way we would get our ass whooped as kids. Like, that shit wasn't normal. One of us fucks up. There's four of us. So you're going to line all four of us up and threaten all four of us and then beat our ass until somebody tells the truth. That ain't how that shit's supposed to work. That shit ain't work. No, I ain't <laughs> Hell no. Even if you did, it's like, well, you waited this long, 
So now you're all going to get it again because you are the oldest one or you're the one that should have known. Or, you know, so it's like there's, there's just that continuous cycle and all it does is just get taught out over and over again. And then people just think, oh, get over it, get over it, get over it. And then nobody really talks about it. Like it's just all it does is teach more of that same ignorant shit. Mm-hmm. And when you don't address it or you don't know that you're affected by it a certain way, it's kind of hard to recognize what was or what wasn't because that's your normal. Yeah. If that's your normal, then... So, you don't think anything's wrong. So I have a yeah. question for you, PJ. How do you address it, though? How do I address what? What do you mean? Like the whole abuse as a kid growing up, because a lot of people don't want to be labeled as... No, I'm saying don't, don't want to be labeled, but it's just more taboo in our culture because a lot of people, even though they get a, like abused as kids, there's always levels within the community. Most people rather talk, well, I got beat, but a lot of people don't want to address the emotional element of it, though. And that affects when you get older. How do, How I... Uh, how it affected me getting older was just I was an angry ass person always like I fought every year in school until I got kicked out of school finally like I, that's all I did was fight 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 I was angry I was bitter like shit I didn't like shit having fun being happy just wasn't a thing so it took having kids and seeing like where I would want those lessons to be and then like you hear parents that you know grew up abused and start abusing their kids say shit like oh no one gave us a manual and I think for anybody who's listening to this that have heard that shit or said that shit, you're full of crap. Everybody can say, no one gave me a manual. Yes, the fuck they did. Your life was the manual. For me growing up, everything that my parents did that I didn't like happening is the things that I'm going to say I will never do to my kids. That's my fucking manual right there. There's no, no one wrote a book about children. Actually, yeah, they did. Tons of people write parenting books. But your own personal life, your own personal traumas and things like that, things that you were like, I wish my parents never did this. That's your manual. That's rule book number one. My parents did this, it made me feel like this. Don't do that to my kids. And it's just, you know, it's like nobody ever ever really says, okay, well, this is what it, what it did, this is how it affected me. And I learned after a while, like, there are two issues that it gave me. I got broken wing syndrome. I always gotta help, I always gotta fix some shit. And I'm an angry ass person. I don't like getting into conflict, but if I do or if I have to physically fight, I'm overly violent. And there's no reason for shit like that, but it comes from what I dealt with as a kid, growing up. And it's just like, I know what it is. I can't go talk to somebody and be like, okay, well, you can finally talk me down and it's okay. I have to realize what it is on my own. It's just like that domestic thing. You have to know in your mind what the broken thing is to fix it. The first thing I say in my relationships, I can't fix a problem I don't know exists. But learning what my problem was, was that. I grew up getting beat down by my dad. And I couldn't beat him. Dude was huge. Fuck no. I'm not going to, can't take my dad out. But as a result, anybody I fought turned into him. And I would fuck people up in fights because I was taking out all that aggression somewhere else. And then as I got old enough to realize that that's not what I want to do, I learned to be calm. Now people are like, you, you spineless, you weak, you don't got a backbone. Yeah, well, you know what? I'll take that. I'll take what you're saying because I don't need to be that guy. Hold on, I got beads and shit jingling. Like, I don't need to be that guy that's overly aggressive anymore based on that trauma from my past. I, uh, I mean, I, oh, did you have this? I thought you had something to say earlier. Um, yeah, I did, but I like where the conversation is going, so if I need to add it, I'll add it. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, no, I mean, I went through the, I didn't get beat like that. My mother and father were divorced when I was in uh, second grade, so, you know, I had both going to one house Mm -hmm. to another. So my mom, she was a single mother, so it was just two of us, so sometimes I needed to get my, you know, my head knocked around for me to act right. My father, on the other hand, my father didn't see us as so he just kept us as little kids for a long time so he 
he really seen us as that for a very long time. So I'll be damn near in high school, and he'll still see us as, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, my mom, she worked, like, when he started off, she worked 3 to 11 at night. So when I get out of school, it's me and my brother by himself. So we at home making something to eat, doing, we, we independent. Um, my dad didn't see us that well. So we're like, shit, I couldn't even make my own damn ice cream for a long ass time. Like, like this, he wanted to make everything. And there was a couple of times when my father did put my, his hands on me and like, he was wrong. You know what I'm saying? I remember in the moment telling him like, yo, like now when he dropped me, no, I remember he dropped me back off at my mom's house, me and my brother. And I told my mom, like, I don't even want to go back over there because it's like, he was dead ass wrong for what he did. Like, yeah. I think he, he's mad because we went, it was a blues fest that my uncle throws. And it was by Lake Michigan or whatnot. And we went by the water. Nigga, I'm old as hell. Like, what the fuck? Like, like, what are we having this conversation about, nigga? But when we got home, he just got real mad. And he, like, punched me in my chest or something like that. Yeah. Now, I did size him up at the time. But I was like, nah, nigga, we ain't, I'll let it go for that time. But, like, um... <laughs> Like, when I got home, I think I told my mom, like, yo, I don't even want to go back over there because that shit, was, that was some fuck shit. But I can't think of a time where my mom whooped me, and she didn't whoop me a lot, but I can't think of a time where my mom whooped me where it was like, I wasn't, it was never abuse, but it was like, yo, you fucked up, so this is what it is. And as I got older, like, those whooping stopped, and then, like, she tried to go another route with me, but... um to be honest, like a lot of that was for me for di- it was discipline because, like I said, she was a single mom and, like you know, what I'm saying she ain't about to you know punch me or nothing. So she had to grab the belt. She made me sit in the doorway, nigga. You know, take th- take these take this L. Yeah. <laughs> I can say what parents were extremely creative about how they whooped their kids' ass back then, because I remember we used to run. Like My around dad. the fucking room, we oh. would run like that's it. You got the belt. We go in the circles and don't let them hit themselves. Because then that's going to make shit worse. So my parents decided their creative method was to get them folding chairs like y'all sitting in. And you put your torso through the back of that shit. Oh, God. To where your stomach is on the seat part. And you ain't getting up and going nowhere from that. You get your ass toe up. And if you do get up, the chair going to fold up on you. You ain't getting nowhere further. And they're going to lift your ass up by the arm and they're going at it. It's just, it was it was some of the worst shit. I, that's why I hate them goddamn chairs to this day. It's just my not neighbor. fun. My brother. <laughs> you see how on a picture how big my brother is, right? My nigga, we, when he used to get a whooping, he could smell. You know how Fati can smell something in the air going on? My brother used to smell an ass whooping coming. My nigga used to run and dive under the bed. If that shit was an Olympic sport, this nigga get a gold medal, my nigga. And my mom would just get so tired of trying to get him from under the bed, she'd be like, fuck it. Like, you know what I mean? I used to start crying right before the whooping started. Just crying, loud as shit. The whole time. The most annoying, loudest goddamn cries I can get out. And then by the time they started beating my ass, they're like, you know what, this motherfucker loud. I'm done. I'm done. Just get the fuck out. But what pissed me off about a lot of stuff, and then like thinking back on it, I actually, like, dealing with all that stuff, if you don't have the closure, it sits in you. So for me, I went back and I talked to my parents. I talked to my mom first, and I gave my mom the full rundown. This is why I date who I date. This is why I stay away from where I stay away from. This is why I don't communicate with y'all like that. Everything. And she says, oh, I didn't know that. That's, you know, you, I didn't, we never knew. So maybe you should talk to your father about this kind of stuff, too. What my mom would do when we were little is she would always tell us, if we ask for something, go ask your dad. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, well, shit, we know he's going to say no. Well, we would ask him anyway. What we didn't know is that my dad would discuss things with my mom prior to. My mom would say no and then tell us to go ask my dad. And my dad would always just agree with whatever mom said. So when we went to dad, dad says no. So now we're looking at, okay, well, dad said no, so we're not even going to bother to ask. And then we go to mom. Mom looks like the superhero. 
We get our asses whooped, we go to mom. Mom will tell us, you know, when your father, he gets mad, just stay out of his way. When y'all get old enough, I'm going to leave the house because I can't take this shit no more. Okay, cool. Then we find out in that conversation with her, I said, you know, mom, we used to be terrified of dad growing up. He used to beat the shit out of us. And, like, we were terrified to even go near him sometimes because of how angry we would get and how he would do shit. And my mom said, oh, yeah, I told him to. Just like that. And for me, it was like, wait a minute, whoa, back this shit up. What? Like, you, this entire time, our whole lives, we've been angry at dad for the shit he did, and you were the mastermind behind this shit? So after she gave me that whole you should talk to your father shit, I was still fucked up that it was my mother that was orchestrating all this. So I get off the phone with her. She goes to my dad and tells him a whole different rendition of it. So by the time I get to my dad to talk to him, I'm just delusional. I'm the crazy one. I'm the, the Navy messed my head up. And, like, he had gotten to my brothers and sisters, and all of them just backed out on me. This is shit that we had talked about for years. So I was like, you know what? Not dealing with y'all. I stopped talking to my family for like two years straight because I'm confronting the demons that I've had. But when you confront that person, they don't even realize they did fucked up shit. Yeah. And that's, that's the sad part about situations, especially that involve children, is that oftentimes when there's any type of abuse, if you as the abuser don't acknowledge what you've done and it's kind of like oh it's whatever um it has i feel like a deeper impact on kids in that situation because now it's like i know i'm not crazy i know this took place i know like that this isn't right especially if you once you like leave the household you know and you do see other environments you're like man like for me specifically like once i left my parents home um, and I got my first apartment I realized like the amount of like emotional and, and verbal abuse that was going on and then you know there were a couple instances where you know me and my dad have definitely gotten into it and all of that has been to like protect my siblings you know or protect my mom or you know make sure that everyone is good so taking on things like that and then like actually stepping away from that environment and seeing like that that's not normal because that was my normal makes you realize like hey this actually is not something that anybody should go through and when my dad didn't acknowledge that like hey you putting you know your hand on my mom even if it was this one time you know is a problem then that's a problem and that's 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 a sad part is like when kids are affected by it that don't have the tools and kids are really really smart they do understand yeah. a lot and you know even if that is their normal they may be able to grasp like this isn't something that i want to see but the effects that that has on them like no one can foresee so i think it's it's really sad when especially when kids are involved and it's harder I feel like um, in situations where there are kids, like within the black community and within the African community, and I'll just speak specifically about the African community, people are like, oh, you shouldn't leave this person, you know, because, yeah. you know, you're you've been married together, you have yeah. kids, you have this, you have that. And that becomes, yeah, that mm. becomes more important than, you know, well this toxic environment that the kids are living in. And that's not okay. I think, yeah. oh, I just think... Uh, like black families, African-American families, uh, for so long, I think for generations, the, the parents ruled over the kids with fear a lot. And we didn't, they didn't talk to them like that. Like we didn't have conversations yeah. until you get older. 
So it's kind of a thing where like I don't think there's a lot of that's a lot of parents that I think don't get to even know their kids because they're too busy just obey what I say, do mm-hmm. this, do that, do that. Um, like I was saying, like my mom, my mom and dad divorced. The the scariest thing my mom could ever say is, I'm gonna tell your dad. And like, nigga, I'd be crying right there. You ain't put a hand on me, but I'd be I'd, yeah, <laughs> I'd be crying right like, there. And he and he oh, just my dad talking to me sometimes made me cry. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, and he ain't really like I said, he ain't really do too much to me. It's just like one time, it was a couple of times I was like, nigga, no, nah, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't deserve this part. But uh, but uh, yeah, it's just I think it's a more fear thing. But I see a lot more people like talking to their children now, um, and things like that. Sometimes you know I be telling niggas like, yo, you need to you need to take one across the head every once in a while. Yeah, and there's some. <laughs> totally lost my train so of thought. thought. What you're thinking of that. Go ahead. I feel like for the abusers, especially the parents, is that the reason a lot of times they don't acknowledge is that if they say, hey, I abused you, they're acknowledging that, hey, they messed up or they made the mistakes. So if they can ignore it or say, hey, I don't know what you're talking about, then they don't really have to take the blame of your outcome or what really happened. Before anybody else talk, Amal, you've been quiet. You're our newest guest. What's your point of view on this? Look at that spotlight. <laughs> on parents not acknowledging their mistakes? Or just you know, about just the topic in general. And then Sabrine, we got to get everybody involved. I feel like it's a healing for parents and children if they sit down and acknowledge that like everyone is human. So, for example, if there are parents that didn't treat their children well growing up, I feel like it's better to acknowledge that when your child's an adult and be like, listen, I messed up, but that doesn't mean that you should continue this cycle to your children. I feel like it's just going to damage your family even more if you say, well, that never happened, or if you validate your mistakes because you're continuing that toxic cycle. And then if your children has a family of their own um, and that cycle continues on, that just destroys, you know, black families and the black community. And that's why, like, family is kind of a very touchy subject because people don't really get the closure that they need. Um, It's not so much of like the mistakes that happen, it's so much so that nobody has closure, so there's built-in anger. And I feel like not acknowledging your mistake is doing a disservice to yourself first and foremost, and you're doing that disservice to your children, so I don't stand for that. I feel like I'm, I'm gonna try to give some parents the benefit of doubt because just thinking about my parents and we're nine kids, like, <laughs> just thinking about how they always ha- had food, they always made sure that we were in a safe shelter, um, they always made sure that we went to good school and had good grades, and um, we did after-school programs, and, like, living, I was, I mean, I was brought up in Middle East, and, you know, my dad, like, hired tutors for us to learn English in a country that's predominantly, like, Arab speaking, you know, he took the extra step to get us teachers that that would help us like learn English. And um, yeah, so sometimes I try to give parents the benefit of doubt Um, in terms of abuse. I mean, (laughs) sometimes kids do do need to get some ass whooping, but at the same time, I don't see the reason of like getting a full on belt or like what you experience i mean that's that's extremely extremely horrific yeah, you know for me, for a lot of stuff i think too and this isn't i mean it's it's, it's all races that deal with it because there's, there's different types of abuse and different reasons for it. but i think specifically in black communities or the browns as i like to call us um 
it stems back from slavery. Because think about it. If the first thing you learned as a slave was to be beaten into submission, if you get beat by the master and you obey the beating, stop and you stay in line. I see this around me with everything that I'm seeing, all the other slaves here. And then I have kids and my kids get out of line and I beat them and they get in line. Then they're going to learn, get that belt, get that rod or whatever the hell you use and we'll stay in line. No problems. And then you keep that cycle going. Now slavery is over. Now all this is supposed to be done. And nobody has any, there's no counseling for black people to teach them that this was wrong or this isn't the way to do it. This has been ingrained generation after generation after generation after generation. Beat them, stay in line. So every generation that grows up, grandparents, great-grandparents, they water that shit down. And then it finally gets to our generation where we're like, hey, man, hold on now. Mm -hmm. You could have just had a conversation with me and told me, don't climb up there and I wouldn't climb my ass up there. And then we teach our kids, like my daughter, she does something, I'll tell her, hey, heads together. We put our foreheads together and we talk. And she knows when I, when I snap and say heads together, shit, I'm in trouble. She gets to fidget with them fingers. We have our conversation. When I'm done, she understands what she did wrong. I send her about her way. If she keeps doing it, you might get a spanking. I might even threaten, hey, I'm going to whoop your ass. Don't, don't make me go to that, that point. I don't want to do that. Okay, cool. She'll stop. I get the deep voice in. She knocks it off. I don't have to beat the hell out of my daughter to get her to listen to me. I can just have a conversation and explain to her where she screwed up, and then she understands. And she's only six, so I'm not going to be beating her down and teaching her as a young girl that a man can beat you to keep you in line. So as she gets older and some dude starts putting his hands on her, she thinks that that's okay. That's where that stuff comes from in relationships. If you've been Mm -hmm. beaten your whole life growing up, the only man that was supposed to protect you is beating the shit out of you. Mm -hmm. Then when you get with a man that treats you right, he's soft, he's weak, he's this, he's that. Now you want somebody that's going to start a fight with you. Why don't we ever argue you look (laughs) for that drama? And don't nobody want that shit. So now... There's another cycle. You have daughters and you see your, you know, you, people like you were saying the last time, people bringing their kids to, to cuss somebody out the store and shit like that. That's what we keep teaching, what we keep seeing. And over and over and over again, we restart that button. I, I think the beating thing is more, it's, it's slavery, but it's also a Southern thing as well. Because, uh, you what know, white was. Southerners beat their kids. You know, you know, yeah, they but they, think of where all the slavery yeah, was mainly yeah. at. Like, Cause my, These my are the master's family, kids, like, you beat the shit, too. My mother's side of the family, they from uh, Mississippi, so that's why I don't know where my dad's side of the family from, but, yeah, my, they from Mississippi, so I can see, you know. My my cousins used to get beat by my grandma. I never had that, because I never... So, you know you know how it's, uh, like, usually, like, the kids are raised by the grandma, mm-hmm. like, mostly? Like, I never had that type of... Like, I was always with my mom, so, yeah. you know, but I know cousins that used to go to my grandma's house and stay... Uh, for a little bit, and they were like, "Yeah, Grandma whooped my ass." And I'm like, "Oh, I ain't never, I ain't never whooped me." <laughs> grandma whooped her ass. She whooped her ass too. Grandma, Go get your switch off me. the tree, baby. <laughs> yeah, I want to get back to that point where um, fathers beating their daughters mm-hmm. and the trauma that it creates. I got like I got whooped by my mom. Like me and my sisters all used to get whooped by my mom. At a when I was eight. Eight and nine, I realized, like, you know, I shouldn't do certain things or I should be right. sneaky about it and let <laughs> my other sisters do it. And I'm like, oh, I didn't do it, so I don't get my ass whooped. But my dad never has he put a hand on us. He's the type, like, sit down, let's talk about right. it, lecture all of us, and then let us go. You know, my mom is the one that actually, like, Chase us around the house with a spoon or whatever, with a shoe. Shoe, she everything that they can see. <laughs> that mother and daughter. Because <laughs> isn't that the mother and daughter thing? Like yeah. That, you know yeah. But it does. I've, I've, I have friends and I've seen it where a lot of, like, I 
especially in the Muslim community, I've had friends where their dads and their older brothers and uncles were like would physically abuse mm-hmm. them um, in public. Like I had friend where we were just hanging out in a park and her cousin sees her from far away and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Why are you here? And he just yeah. drags her. This is her male cousin. It's not her brother. Her, mm-hmm. It's not her dad. He drags her, takes her inside the car, you know, beats her, takes her home, and she still gets a beating from her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does happen, and I think that creates a lot of psychological trauma because she ended up getting married at the age of 18 to, to just, just leave that situation. To get out of the house. Yeah, most people get married yeah. to, like, get quote-unquote freedom, which is crazy yeah. because they're so terrified. thing to another. Right? Exactly, because they're yeah. so terrified of their uncles and their cousins yeah. and stuff. Well, she married an abuser, like... Yeah. Exactly. Like every male relative that she knew. Anyway, she didn't really marry an abuser, quote-unquote. She never got that closure, so she didn't really know who she was outside of that bubble. So she doesn't know if that's wrong or right. Yeah, she's just going to that pattern. Even though she basically like she like she ripped the bandit off, I was like, guess what, nigga, it was me. Surprise, you know what I mean? And like that was like, damn. Like, but at the same time, I would talk more to my dad now than I would with my mother. It used to be the other way around. We would always go to mom, go to mom, go to mom, and then we realized mom was the one manipulating, pulling strings. I remember coming home one day from school. I was like, thirty minutes late. You know, I was always screwing up at school, skipping classes, and I had seven classes, so I got some food and came home. And my dad's in the backyard cutting firewood. So I walk in the backyard, and he calls me over. I'm like, you know, what's up? Not expecting anything to go wrong. <laughs> he's got a bag in his hand with a couple of logs in it, and he's like, looks at his watch. He's like, why are you late? I'm like, oh, you know, I got seven straight classes, and I'm hungry, so I stopped at Coney Island and got some food. You know, no big deal. Homework's done. Grades are good. Now I'm, I catch a, a, a fist to the jaw, and I'm like, the fuck? Like, this, damn, I can't get Coney Island like that. Get your ass whipped nowadays? Like, that's some crazy shit. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So I didn't go down. And in this instance, that, that to my dad was testing his ego. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't fall when I punched you? What's wrong with you? Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> he catched me with another one, and I'm like, I know what this is. Okay, oh, let me fall. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I'm on the ground or whatever, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, like, are you really doing this shit right now? Like, just walked in. Like, I didn't even get in the house. I'm in the gate in the backyard right now. So he sees how I'm looking at him, because I, I really have this look. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? So he comes across and hits me with the bag of logs. Boom, boom. And I'm like, okay. This shit is, like, I'm done with this. So I get up, my nose is bleeding and shit, and he's like, go in the house. And, I, like, for the first time in my life, I'm looking at him like, I really want to knock you the fuck out right now. I know damn well I would have lost that fight, no problem. But it's just like, I, I couldn't believe that this shit just happened. So I walk in the house, I go straight to the bathroom and wash my face. My mom didn't see me. She calls out, she goes, uh, what happened to you? I said, nothing. Your father got to you, didn't he? And I just broke down crying. I'm, like, 15 at the time. Okay. What she did was she went through my stuff in my room, I had check stubs hidden inside of a little like baby wipes container under some tokens, underneath some pens and pencils. So you, you're not gonna just find yeah, this shit. I'm about to say. She went through everything in my room. I'm talking Game Boy game boxes are open. I show you how. Oh wow! All the pillowcases pulled out. She goes, "Oh, I was looking for a bus schedule for your sister, and I found your check stubs, bro. Who gonna go in a Game Boy game <laughs> box to look for a goddamn bus schedule? She found check stubs and didn't think my hours added up. Told my dad some bullshit and then waited for me when I got home. And it's like. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see now, okay, this was all her. Like, dad probably wouldn't have thought shit of it, but she went looking for something, and that's the worst thing she could find. Now he, now she's sticking to him. And when I talked to her about it all, it's like, she admitted to it. It was like, okay, nope, this is fucked up. And then I talked to my dad finally, and then my siblings and all that. And, like, finally, like, it, it took, after that, like, two years of not talking, uh, I recently just started talking to my siblings again, and they all apologized. 
like, hey, you know, I'm sorry I ain't, I ain't back you on that. Like, I just felt like, you know, it was, I'm grown, it's in the past, whatever, but I should have said something. I should have did this. And I'm like, okay, I'll accept your apology. We'll move on from there. But at the same time, I'm still, it's like now, how do I, how do I look at my mom for being that person? You know what I mean? Like, I can, I can understand where my dad came from because he was listening to his wife. He knew abuse growing up. She knew abuse growing up, but he had other options. He wanted to talk to us. He would lecture us sometimes, but she would be the one that's like, when he's like, I don't think he's getting through, beat their ass. It was that, you know what I mean? And it's like, when you get that closure and realize, okay, I'm not the crazy one, mm-hmm. them apologizing, let me know, okay, I'm not delusional. Maybe I'm not remembering things properly. Nope, you are. Okay, good. I know what it is. I know it's not me. I know I'm not the fuck up here. Maybe I did some dumb shit as a kid, but it didn't merit that kind of behavior then you kind of, you can move past it. And my wife told me flat out, she's like, you know, after you talk to your mom that day, you've been 100% different. So can I make two good. points before that on that topic? Question for you. How old were you when you when you found out about your mom out of curiosity? I was... Fuck, how old am I now? <laughs> I was... 45? Like 29 or 30? 29. Okay, yeah, that's good. It was, it was a little bit after I got out here. Okay, okay. So, and the second element I think you hit it on the home was that you said it wasn't my fault. I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of people when they're being abused is that they don't fully understand what's going on, so they make it about themselves. Yeah, I did. That's why when they get older, they feel like it's when he was mad. No. Yep. So they feel like it's their fault because a, if their parents are their providers, they can't just say my mom, my dad are wrong because that's who provides at the same time. So when they don't really have a blame to put on somebody else, they put that's it on themselves. That's all you know. Yep. That's your normal. And you you're lucky if you have mom and dad around. I will say that is if, if there's anyone listening who is dealing with abuse, to please, uh, you know, if you need. Uh, there's some. I don't have any way to send you to get some help, but please do get some. Um, there's plenty of places to, uh, you know, find shelter. I believe there's a women's shelter out here that uh, provides help, and there's women's shelters across the country that provides help for uh, for victims of abuse and domestic abuse to help you get out that situation. Yeah. Um, so I would uh, please encourage you to do that, especially if you have kids, uh, especially if you have kids for the well-being of your kids and well-being of yourself. Uh, so or if you are still a kid, shit. Or you if you are be still a, a kid. Full-blown yeah. adult living on your own. You could be living at home with mom listening to this. Yeah. It ain't... Nothing you do merits somebody beating you. Well, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, like... If you stab me. A discipline... Like yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's <laughs> an act of aggression in that case. But, like, no, no words mean somebody yeah, has sure. to punch you in the face. No, you know, no late time coming home, no kissing a boy or dating a girl that they don't like merits you getting a beating. Like, you know, that's it's true. just... It's not... It's not that, and that whole, like I said, that whole nobody gave me a manual bullshit. Like that's a cop out answer for me. Yeah. yeah. And 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 point, real quick, on Victor's point. So if you do need help, there's a phone support, 24/7, 365. The phone number is 1-800-799-SAFE. So once again, 1-800-799-7233. Yeah, and you can, real quick, to add to that. You can talk to people about how you feel if you're not ready quite yet to get out of those situations. You can do it little by little. It doesn't have to be, you know, automatically you leaving. So make mm-hmm. sure that you get that support regardless of whatever space you're in in that process. Yeah, don't think you're dumb. Don't think you're wrong. Don't think you don't deserve better because everybody deserves better than that shit. And if you're an adult and can afford therapy, I truly suggest therapy. Um, if Fati becomes a therapist, <laughs> I'm never going to Fati. I got it through work, and I went through six sessions at work. Yeah, and it made it was after uh, talking to my mom, but just finding like dealing with that stuff and like it's 
for a lot of people that are abused, it's being listened to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because if you say that to somebody like, yeah, I went through this. Oh, I got my ass whooped too and I turned out just fine. <laughs> Shut the fuck up because no, you didn't. You know what I mean? And that's not what, what people who really went through that are trying to hear. They just want to know that they didn't do something wrong or that they weren't that person that deserved that or that it was wrong what they went through. And to have somebody actually, you may not have to have the answers, yep. but just the validation of finally somebody heard me out yeah. mm-hmm. feels a lot better than keeping it bottled up. Listen yeah. to it and also not being judged too. A lot mm-hmm. of people are being, I guess, uh, trying to find a solution. Let them find it. Just be, able yeah. to be there for them at the end of the day. One thing that I would say, and this was what I was going to say earlier on in the conversation is okay, as... <laughs> No, um, as human beings, we all have our viewpoints on reality and what we think, you know, is actually happening in the world. And everybody's reality is different. Even us sitting around in this space right now, we've all had different experiences. We all have different personalities. We have, you know, we're different genders. There's all these different things that factor into how we view the world. So just because someone may be experiencing something or just, and this is specifically for people who don't understand why people don't leave or people who don't understand, you know, the mentality um, or the, the impact that abuse has for people, just know that their world is different from yours. And if you're mindful of that, then you can take the time to listen and do the things that would actually help that person. So that was it. Yeah. Did you, since I knew we were going to talk about this topic, I shared an article about yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. the New Yorker article. Did you guys read it? I Did don't you? read. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's this author, his name is Juno Diaz. He's African descent Dominican. And he talked about how he got sexually abused as a child. And if you're listening today and you're suffering from any form of abuse, mentally, you're getting abused physically, sexually, if you're a child, if you're an adult, if you're stuck somewhere, like just seek help because there are a lot of people suffering from the same thing that you are. Speak out because we're fortunate to live in a day where, and in an age where social media is available, even writing as an anonymous person, sharing those experiences online are really impactful. I follow a lot of anonymous like Twitter pages or like blogs. People share real stories about their life um, anonymously and put it out there. And I think that's also a form of therapy. Um, if you're a child and if you're a youth and you're listening to us, please write, be creative and like explore and read. Don't just try to find ways to cope with what's going on right now, because eventually, eventually you'll find a way out. Um, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's when you're you know, in your deathbed. Like, eventually, you'll Can find I? a closure. That, so. wasn't, that last part wasn't really inspired. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. When you're in your deathbed. And this is a cheap plug-in, but this is a really important part as well, too. So we do have an actual email set up for this podcast. It's Fati, the number two, me at Gmail. So if you do need somebody to talk to or just have opinions, feel free to email us at Fati, the number two, at Gmail. Phil Fati, before you carry on, because not everybody knows how to spell your name. Uh, F, oh, sorry about that. So the name is F-A-T-H-I, the number two, me, at gmail.com. Uh, so any, any, do we want to keep going on or do we? I think we can go with that one because we're at 52 on that one. Then we can jump to another topic. So okay. that'll wrap it up for this episode. So should I say something? Tune in next time. Oh, yeah. Do you think? That was it. But <laughs> Yeah, so thanks for listening, you guys, for this part. Once again, if you do need help, reach out. Don't be scared. Life is short. Enjoy your life. 
smile, be happy. And the words of low, sending good vibes to everybody. Yeah, peace, love, and positive vibes. Yeah, peace, love, and chicken grease. <laughs> <laughs> All right.